Our high school guidance counselor used to ask us what you would do if you had a million dollars. Didn't have to work. And then invariably, whatever you'd say, that was supposed to be your career. So if you wanted to fix old cars, then you're supposed to be an auto mechanic. So what did you say? I never had an answer. I guess that's why I'm working at Inatech. No, you're working at Inatech because that question is bull to begin with. If everyone listened to her, there'd be no janitors because no one would clean up if they had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Talking about millions of dollars. What would you do if you had a million dollars? I'll tell you what I'd do, man. Two chicks at the same time, man. We're living in a material world and I am a material girl. Or boy. Well, what about you now? What would you do? Besides two chicks at the same time? Well, yeah. Nothing. Nothing, huh? I would relax. I would sit on my ass all day. I would do nothing. Well, you don't need a million dollars to do nothing, man. Take a look at my cousin. He's broke, don't do If I had a million dollars... Lord, don't face Action Jackson. Tomorrow, man, we're on the board. SB Futures up 450. NASDAQ Futures up 41. Dow Futures up 16 as we're going to try for... Uh, 12 in a row, um, very odd market, but goes up every day, every day, there's just money, Brendan, how are you? I'm doing well this morning, Chief, how are you? I'm doing alright, so you're riding the bull wave, are you? Oh, of course, why Why stop at 12, I think we should just keep on going. As long as we all keep our hands in the boat, don't rock the boat, nobody ever sells, we'll all be rich. That's right, I think there won't be a downturn until uh, roughly November 15th of 2024. Um... Why not go 2026, 28? What's the difference? Well, that gets past the election, so they've got to ride the the wave to the election. Um, it's a long way. I wonder if uh, <laughs> the uh, I have never uh, it, it, I've never seen a, a bigger separation. You know, it's, it's weird, Brennan. I guess 15, 20 years ago, when we first well, I was on the air with Maddie, and I started doing this a long time ago. I got to dig out one of those old shows, and I said, you know, you got to be real careful when you allow all this concentration in these industries. All of a sudden, day we're going to have inflation, and you're not going to be able to fight it because they're going to have such pricing power. They're just—they don't even realize how much pricing power they're getting, and one day they're going to figure it out. I think they mm-hmm. figured it out. I think they have too. It's a—it's uh, really something. I mean, uh, I don't know what you what you can possibly do when you when you outstrip virtually most of society. And yet, all you do is have alleged news shows on all day telling people how great things are. I mean, it's like, you know, and it, and for a lot of people, it is. I mean, if you're if you're in the chain, I mean, if you've got if you've got the the money from someplace, and if you have the government money, it's, uh, or you know, or you're one of the people that can raise the prices. You know, if you're if you're a restaurant that totally owns your building, and three or four of them around you went went under during COVID, I gotta believe you're doing real well. If you know, assuming you don't. Don't lose your clientele, but uh, I think you're probably doing all right. I mean, some people win yeah. in these things, and some people lose, and that's really the reason, in my opinion, why you can't ever let it happen. But obviously, the the, the people that are winning are, are controlling the show. It looks like. But what do you what are you seeing over in your area in Michigan? Plus, you guys have been around. I mean, what are you seeing as you just your as you generally look at life? What are you what are you seeing? Well, um, you know, there are some places that have opened up in the last couple of years in Michigan that survived, um, that survived the pandemic. Some of them switched to, uh, like in, in the restaurant, there's a couple of them that have started opening up, and they seem to be doing okay. Um, you know, they complain a lot, 
that uh, they're just barely making it by, but they're still hanging in there, which I think is a good thing. It is amazing to me, though, when I when I look out and when I'm when I'm back in Chicago and I, I go down to some of the areas where I used to work in the Loop area, and I just see the the really it's a, like a devastation yep. of, of lack of restaurants and stores. Uh, LaSalle Street is a ghost town. Michigan Avenue, walking from from our place at North Avenue down into the Loop, it's just horrific looking at all the closed storefronts and the transfers. You know, it's no longer, it it can no longer be called the Magnificent Mile because of the vacant stores and the the quality of the stores that are on the street now, uh, on the avenue, instead of uh, what used to be there. Why do you suppose that is? I mean, I've read, and I, uh, Maddie, you were telling me a while ago, the tourist industry is back pretty strong, isn't it? Isn't, isn't, aren't a lot of those stores, weren't they for tourists a lot of times? And I don't, I don't think, I think those hotels are pretty full. And I, you know, I, I think they are. I mean, I don't, I'm not positive, but I, I think the tourist industry is strong. Or, I think it is too. In fact, a lot of the reports that I've been reading recently uh, indicates that the hotels are filling up uh, on a regular basis right now. I have uh, two clients of mine who have just come in with their families over the last three weeks to spend a long weekend here in Chicago. One of them was here for a wedding, um, but extended the family stay. And another one just came to visit the city. Um, and they spent several days here, uh, with one from New York, the other from Connecticut. And it's amazing that you know, they, and, and they told me that the hotels that they were staying at, one was downtown, one was up near, near Wrigley Field, were pretty full and pretty active, and uh, the the guy who's staying up at the hotel in uh, in Wrigleyville just said everything was booming around them. You know, when they went out to they went out to eat, they they went to um, Giordano's for some deep dish pizza, and it was really crowded for them. They, they've gone some other places, and they they were surprised at how long it took them to get in to see some places. Yeah, it's a uh... I mean, it is really a tale of a whole different bunch of stories, and it's really kind of hard to. I mean, I noticed that on the uh, on the south side, I mean, we had a uh, Greg Pappas was on the show yesterday, and he he went and saw. He refused to go see Oppenheimer because it's three hours long, I guess. What's the other one that was a big one this weekend? Barbie. Yeah, he, he's, I think he saw how that. Could you, how could you forget about Barbie, Chief? Now, I <laughs> thought you would have been in line to see Barbie. Even if he didn't do the double feature of Barbie and Oppenheimer, I can see you lining up for Barbie. Uh, lining up to do what? Exactly. When's the last time you saw a movie in the theater, Chief? No, he had asked 19 me what? Uh, it was Hunt for Red October. Okay, so what was that, early 90s? Yep. 80s. Was might that have, 80s? Might have been 80s. That, that might have been the late 80s. We went the, uh, we left the floor, trading floor. We ran over to the one on, uh, what's the one on uh, East... East of Michigan was it Oak, on Oak Street, on whatever over there in Ohio or whatever the big huge. Oh, the AMC theaters. Well, the reason AMC why we the reason why we went is because at that time they only, they had the one huge screen. Mm-hmm. They didn't have the three little ones, so it was like the last time it was like the last big screen in the city before they were going to turn into the three little screens. This movie was released to theaters March second, nineteen ninety. There you go. One nine nine zero. Right. I mean. Just uh, thirty, what thirty three years ago? Yeah, <laughs> was the last time you were in a movie theater. But you know, I, I I remember it. It was it was spectacular because 
they had this massive surround sound thing with the big huge uh, screen and when people were walking into the sub it was like they were walking in from behind you <laughs> and, it, and, and then they said no we want three theaters we don't want this big one you know, so then they did but anyway uh, you go to the, the south side and, the, and the, uh, I mentioned this yesterday it's a lot of your places like uh, um, even Fox's there's, there's no after movie crowd of any kind because I mean the beer stube used to have it after because Greg says it's was sixteen bucks a ticket, and he spent another fifty bucks on a couple of drinks and you know something else and a couple things to eat. So you're, you're not going out afterward, right? I mean you're you're already you're already up to hundred bucks, you know. And you're not you're not doing it. You're not going to. But I mean, Fox's is closing at ten o'clock on a Saturday night. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. So I mean, whatever 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 you're going someplace, you're not going someplace else. I mean, downtown here. Uh, the bars in this area are pretty, a lot of them are closed and didn't reopen, uh, but the ones that are are packed pretty much on a Thursday and now Tuesday. But mm-hmm. Monday night you might as well close. There's nobody here on Monday, and Fridays. I mean Thursday's the new Friday, so it's you know I, I don't know what you what you do. There's the 175 uh, Jackson just one I mean heard this matter. They they appointed somebody to go out and find a bidder. Yeah, I, I heard about that. Yeah. I read about that. I mean, what do you, if you, uh, I always, every Sunday, my brother has dinner family thing, which is kind of nice, and my nephew, my nephew's in the metal business, which I'm always talking about. I don't know how you, I mean, it, one of the things you always do when you do economic stuff or cost accounting stuff, like I used to know how to do, whenever you come up with something, there's always like these, these list of assumptions, Brandon, before you can, I mean, the, the, the numbers follow you know the the theory, right? I mean, it's the way they should. I don't. What, what do you make of of uh, the downtown area? Some of these areas. What do you make of? You know, sorry, maybe people buying homes in the city. I mean, do you want to be near transportation? Not be. I mean, what does the future hold? I mean, the beauty of everybody thinks of downtown as uh, you know massive law officers and everybody making a bunch of money. Well, that, that's all BS, really. The reason why the downtown was so spectacular is because the the uh, uh, shall we say the complimentary workers could get here real cheap, real fast on transportation. Didn't need a car. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't the the lawyers. They could they could work anywhere. It was all the people that, all, that else were working the law firm that could get here at a reasonable price, at a reasonable time, live reasonably close. I mean, is that all gone? I mean, if you if you were to buy one seventy five West Jackson, what would you think the future is going to hold? I mean, I don't I don't even know. Well, the demographics of the of the buildings on there has really, really changed. And to your first point about you know who's going to live there, I think it, it the idea of living in the loop has always befuddled me because the loop was comprised, to my recollection, when I going back to when I started, the loop was comprised of offices and entertainment. Right. Uh, you had the the big theaters, but you also had like the Civic Opera House. Uh, you, you had. Uh, the Chicago Symphony, so it was a destination place for people, and for the people who worked down in the loop, they could stay after work for you know business development or on weekends to uh, to entertain themselves. Entertainment was not spread out all across the, the the whole area; it was concentrated downtown, and there was a purpose. And when you had all the offices filled with workers, whether they're lawyers or accountants or business people. That, that central core kept people down there. The fact that you're putting 
people to reside in places which used to be office buildings uh, negates that because you know I, I think that um, it, it, it's kind of completely topsy-turvy from what it was before and I don't know that that you have the same uh, impact of people living there uh, to go out and, and socialize especially when so many of the venues that attracted people after working on the weekends are gone or outpriced. I mean, you mentioned uh, the price of going to a movie theater and you know buying some popcorn and and uh, you know junior mints and things like that. And you know, but there aren't even that many theaters around now to go. No, you I just I mean, to find your Barbenheimer movie. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, like I say, it's it's a it's all the same subject. I mean, it's kind of the theme of the show. When I talk to my nephew and a guy who owns this metal place. All of a sudden, they've got a lot of business because there's some business coming back uh, from wherever, China or someplace, and all of a sudden, everybody decides that their machines are older, you know, and there's not a whole lot of these metal kind of places here in the city. It used to be, you know, hundreds of them, literally, when we had all these manufacturing here. Now, all of a sudden, these guys are, uh, they hired four or five people in the last couple months, and they could use a few more, but I I have no idea, Brendan, I'd, I'd have to get the crew together and we'd have to talk for a whole weekend is this is this a flare is this i mean if i'm in the metal business is this a flare it's going to be uh you know before some president comes in and says we're, we're going to be nice to china again or is this something that i can have plan on my kid running the place and having a nice living here or if should i if i have a son or daughter that doesn't want to go to uh you know harvard should they go figure out how to do machine maintenance because there's a huge demand for those people and they're paying six figures? I mean, I mean, is it is this a two year job, a three year job, or is it a lifetime? Are we gonna? Is it? A, is it? A, I don't I mean downtown building. Is there? Is there any price which you take one of these places? I mean, what's your view of the future? I mean, obviously in the '70s it looked crummy down here, right? Mm-hmm. And then and then all of a sudden between the exchanges getting real hot, the CBOE opening and all those kinds of things. Uh, the, the South Loop kind of carried the rest of the loop for a while, and things caught fire again. I mean, is it New York the same way? I mean, with the movies Escape from New York, I mean, you go back then, the place was a bleep hole. You know, now all yeah. of a sudden, so I mean, it, it has sort of happened before, but the question is, how, what, how long is your time frame? How much money do you have? How cheap of a price can you get in? I suppose if they gave us the building, you know, but I, I, I wonder, I don't know if you know, I've told this story a few times, but I don't know if I told you the the building was going, I'm talking about 175, because we used to be in that building, and I know the guy who used to run it. When I say run it, manage it. I mean, they, they lost anchor tenants because of the city. I mean, the CVS, uh, I mean, I'm probably not supposed to know this, but they were paying, they were there forever, Brendan, and they were paying 17 grand a month in rent, and they were pretty happy with that. But their lease, with the taxes and everything, the leases, you know, they go up with the taxes, right? What do you call that, a double-something lease or triple Net double net. Yeah, double net, okay. Double See, that's, net. that's why you need your attorney dudes. Um, they were up to 240 grand a year extra. Mm-hmm. And they said, we're out of here. So then they, Pug Mahone's left, and the, they kept raising rents, and all of a sudden you, they lost the restaurant bar, and within the next year, like 500 people. And I'm not saying it's causative, but all of a sudden you lose you lose your, your drugstore and the, and the place where you go down there and grab whatever you wanted. You lose the bar. And all of a sudden, it's like you know, hey, maybe we should go to another building. You know, there's a, you know, it, it, it's. I use this really stupid example once in a while. It's almost like a body, Brendan. I mean, if if it's if it's dead, you can't say, well, 
if I can just get this thing eaten again, it'll work. Or if I can just see it seeing again or I see it pooping again, it all sort of has to work or nothing works, right? That's right. And I don't know how you get it. I don't know how you get it started. I mean, are you, I mean, you, you can see a vibrant community. I don't know what you would do to start one that's going the wrong way. I mean, I, I'm saying, and I don't know how you start this back up again, do you? I mean, exchanges, I exchanges would help. You know, 4,000 people on a trading floor would certainly help, but that's not going to happen. Right, right. Uh, and, and you raise interesting questions because, you know, part of, part of what um, increased that dilemma was the, the adjustment of the property taxes when uh, Chris Kaiji came in and undid a lot of what had been done with the property taxes before. And, you know, theoretically, it makes more sense to say, yes, if a lot of businesses and wealthy areas were undervalued, let's increase the, the assessed value on them to charge more taxes. But at what cost and how much are you driving them up? Like if you're doubling or tripling the taxes uh, in commercial buildings, you're right, the tenants can't stay there, particularly when you look at what happened over the last couple of years with COVID and yeah. the dearth of people in the office. You know, it was, it was um, hitting them in two different ways. First, the dramatic increase in costs, plus the the lack of supply, you know, for, for, a, for a law firm or uh, a, 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 you know, a law firm has its lawyers working from home. And therefore, they're not supporting the bar in the basement or supporting the CVS, and yet their taxes are going up dramatically uh, because they're passed down. So it's it, it really w- was a combination that I think is very hard to undo right now. Was there any? How can I say this politically correctly? I can't. Is there any way to get these morons to think proactively? I mean, I, I, simple. Um, I'll, I'll boil it down to a basic question. Suppose you and I did want to bid on the building. Mm-hmm. Is there somebody? We go and talk to and say, "Look, hey, buddy, if if you think I'm bidding on this place, I'm sure as hell not bidding a hundred million dollars for it, unless you guys drop this taxes by by two thirds or whatever. I mean, you're out of your mind at this number. Can you? Or is this? I just saw you say the like the Chicago Ridge Mall. The guy missed the seventy five hour payment or a bond payment, uh, and it probably wasn't interest. He probably had to make a bond payment and couldn't and couldn't roll it over. I'm guessing. Uh, but I mean, is there any way to be proactive? Or are these guys? Still sell, sending out the bills from three years ago and just not getting paid, or how, how does that even work, Brendan? Well, they are sending out the bills from a while ago, and there's deferred. But the other issue from the taxes are that, and and this goes to government services as well, is that the tax bills have been delayed because they're they're switching over all their computer system and the software system. The tax bills are being delayed. For example, they used to come out. Uh, August 1st for the second installment. They used to come out August 1st and be paid with a penalty by September 30th, October 1st, or something like that. And now they've been delayed to going out December 1st with a payment on, you know, late payments due before um, December 31st. So that wrecks havoc with all the city budget, with the city and all the other municipal budgets, which puts them in a bind. Uh, and and part of that software conversion also contributed to the reassessment valuation of the properties. Your second question about how do you turn this around, that is long-term because it would take a couple of things. Primarily, the whole assessment system of the, the county and how it you know does its comparables. And we've just seen in the last couple of years when KG has been in there, 
that um, you know the readjustment of the assessed values have been um, to more equalize the, the pain, which really meant making businesses and upper income folks pay more to and, and have the common people in, in Englewood and Beverly pay less. But that whole software system has been rife with, with problems. To change it around for the valuation, it takes a while because the, the whole area of the city uh, is just reassessed every three years and it was just done recently. So the pains of that are still being felt right now. It won't be for another couple of years until the it's reassessed again for any chance for it to be downward. Well, I, I can't imagine because zeroing in on that building again, I can't imagine that they have, are current on their taxes. So I can't believe that either for a lot of the ones downtown. Yeah. I mean, even, even one of the, the buildings that is, is now uh, about to be given back to the lenders, from what I've read, is 30 North LaSalle. Yeah. And that building was, a, not too long ago, filled with a lot of city of Chicago offices. That's where a lot of their department and a lot of their workers were that um, used to be in that building. Well, I'm gonna. I I just hear anecdotally rumors, murmurs in the murmurs in the mist about our building here. We're 411 uh, South Wells, and and the uh, and my well, my brother probably knows all of it because he knows the owner a lot better than I do. But I I gotta believe that their taxes. If you were to take 10 years ago, maybe when we moved in, I'm gonna say their taxes are triple what they were 10 years ago at least. And now they have they've done better than most. They only have maybe. 25% of the place empty, maybe 30%. But their income, I mean, I think the gentleman might own the building. I'm not sure. I mean, I don't ask him. But so I, I, I'm sure, I think he's current on his taxes, but why the hell should he be paying more? I mean, that's, that's what uh, when you see, you know, this inflation thing I'm always bragging about, every place you turn, Brendan, in the last five to ten years, everything is three times as much. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, it kind of no matter what it is, if you go back to 2020 for sure, <clears throat> everything of, of consequence and your CPI says it's up 80%. Well, no, it's not. It's up two and a half times that, maybe three mm-hmm. times that. So when you, and you have people that, you know, are looking, I mean, when you look at the uh, um, pricing here, the, the headlines say Apple reportedly considered raising price of its new iPhones. Walmart can rally more than 30% as it gains grocery market share. I mean, this is all. This is all done. You know, I don't know how much for the Irish say. I don't know how much more blood you can get out of the turnip. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah. I and I don't see anybody even talking about it. Little. I mean, how do you how do you solve the problem unless you? But I, I don't. I don't know what the answer is. Whether the the Fed should yank the money supply back down and try and you know drop these this price level. I that could be suicide too. But I, but I listen oh, to these. It could be political suicide. Yeah. As, I mean, remember the Paul Volcker days. Uh, and, it, I mean, just look at what that did for Jimmy Carter. <laughs> well, yeah. And, and uh, you know, in the, but right now, there's a, there's a huge segment of the population that's retired. You know, a lot of them are my clients, so it's not like it's, it's yeah. a bad thing. Huge segment of the population that all they care about is the stock market. Mm-hmm. And as long as their the wealth. The wealth is in owning assets and having the assets going up, just like if you own stock in the Weimar Republic, you know, <laughs> the stock yep. market went up, right? Uh, fortunately, our dollar is a little stronger than their whatever that thing was. Uh, but it, it, you, you're getting, you're, you're separating the society more than you ever did. And I, uh, you know, I, I don't know, I don't know what the solution is. But one thing's for sure is you can't keep doing it. I, 
I, you look at the, uh, the the pilot thing, and now UBS is uh, UPS might be going on strike this week, and you know people are, you know they they see the pilot situation and they go, oh my God, these guys are going to get a thirty three to forty percent raise over uh-huh. the next four years, and I look at it and I go, okay, they probably haven't gotten a raise in three years since before COVID, and uh, I'm going to say over a seven year period, if you're Salary went up forty percent. You're a loser. Yeah. And yet, yeah. but the numbers don't show that. But I think it's pretty obvious you are. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna I'm gonna bet that whatever the UPS people get, and I don't know why why Brendan why does why does the the press always uh, seem to side with management when most of the people that listen are not management. And this morning on the way in before I picked Maddie up, I hear they're mostly concerned. With part-time workers, okay, but but UPS. I mean, you probably know the big the big story there has been forever. You could never get full time. You were always thirty-eight hours. Never get this benefit. Never get that benefit. And every every time there's a labor agreement, it's always about trying to get more people full time with some benefits instead of this permanent part-time thirty-eight hour crap. I mean, how does I mean how does right. how does nobody, I guess, explain that when you lob it out there? They don't though. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd... Well, you know, another type of union is when you're looking at the, the Hollywood writers yeah. and the actors, looking at things like residual. I mean, the, the concept to me, uh, a guy like Bob Iger at, at Disney making, you know, whatever he makes, $30, $50 million a year, and yet what they're pushing for is an actor to come in and be filmed in a way that, and pay him for a day. Yeah forward and then use his voice and his likeness for artificial intelligence in the future uh, where he gets no residuals no pay for the movies that his image and voice appear in you know that's ludicrous you know why not in in a simple math why not take the the 30 million for Iger make it five which is which is still a pretty good penny to make for a year and you know use that other Twenty-five million to give to some of the actors and residuals. Well, now you're now you're, you're acting yeah, very, like a, very simple. You're, we got a dash. You're acting like a South Sider now. You can't be doing that, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> Take care of yourself, buddy. Talk at you next week. SP Futures right. up six. Nancy Futures up fifty-three. Be right back, Mr. Joel Uncommon. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. 
Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, North Bay Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Allen, Matt Weber on the board. SP Futures up 5, Nasdaq Futures up 51, Dow Futures up 24 as we're going to try and go for 12 days in a row on the Dow. And uh, Nasdaq is kind of rejoining the party here a little bit after being a little bit slower. But yesterday, everything was pretty much up across the board. Uh, even though uh, it wasn't a huge day, it just was up across the board. Now, today, we were talking about Hong Kong has been getting his ass kicked. Well, today, they're up 4%. Uh, so the China has vowed support for ailing property market. No idea what that means, but that's the headline. Hang Seng up 766, 4%. Back up over 19,000, 19,434, but they were just there a couple of weeks ago. Shanghai up 67, that's over 2%, 3231. Nikkei's actually down 18 points, but call that one flat. Or in Europe, we've got the DAX up 11, which is, uh, call it flat. What's he up 8, maybe 0.1%. Check around up 14.2%. So as the Fed meeting starts today, uh, Europe is high, but barely. But it is high, higher. Yesterday, Dow was up 183 again. That's a PF 18, NASDAQ up 26. So NASDAQ has been a somewhat a relative laggard, but uh, maybe not today. Uh, bonds up four basis points, 3.90. Getting real close to four. The Bund up th- four basis points, 2.42. Japan up two basis points at 0.48. Uh, getting close to the 50 uh, alleged top that the government allows it to move. Oil up 22 cents, and now I'm going to say this is a breakout. 78.90, 96. It hasn't been flying out of the old range, but it's definitely out of the old range. Brent up 23 cents, 82.97. Natural gas up 4 cents, 273. Our Bob unchanged, 288. We've got gold down 7 bucks, 19.55. So it's still in this mid 1900s where it's kind of stuck. Silver up 8 cents, 24.67. Copper up 7 cents, 3.92. Bitcoin, which has been getting its butt, butt kicked, actually up a little bit today, from 24 hours, 29,142, and U.S. dollar virtually unchanged, slightly higher against the euro at 110, flat against the pound, 128. Uh, Many of you traffic weather sports. 35 minutes past the hour. Good morning to everyone out there. Off to a good start here on the area expressways for a Tuesday morning. We're seeing traffic build on the inbound Kennedy, as you would expect, due to the road construction, but no accidents to report. Outbound side, uh, building steadily, but again, looking okay. Uh, Edens is all quiet. Uh, traffic building on the Eisenhower and Stevenson, but no accidents to report there. Southside expressways are looking good, as are the suburban tollways, so we're off to a good start here on a Tuesday. Weather today, uh, we're beginning our warm-up today, and we'll be in the mid-90s by tomorrow, but Today, partly cloudy skies, a high of 86. Right now, it's overcast and 70 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, sunshine with a high of 117 today. Right now, it's clear and 93. In sports, Cubs and Sox were both off last night. They'll resume the Crosstown Classic tonight from the south side 
That's a 7-10 Chicago time first pitch. And it'll be Kyle Hendricks versus Michael Kopech. Cubs have won three in a row. Sox have lost three in a row. Uh, so this uh, two-game set uh, will help determine whether the Cubs uh, uh, sell off or they uh, try to compete here. As uh, we take a look at our uh, one other score to get before we look at our standings, D-backs lost to the Cardinals 10-6. to uh, The Diamondbacks are sputtering. They've lost five in a row. So our Tuesday morning look at the baseball standings, Arizona 54-47, and four back of the uh, Dodgers in the NL West. Uh, after losing five in a row and eight of their last ten. Cubs are 48-51. and 51. They're in third place in the NL Central. Uh, seven back of the Brewers, uh, just six back in the loss column after winning three in a row and six out of ten. White Sox are done. They're 41-60. and 60. Fourth in the AL Central, 12 and a half back of Minnesota. Uh, but you look at the wild card race, and uh, some teams in front of the Cubs have been struggling as the Cubs have turned it on a little bit lately, and the Cubs find themselves just four games back in the loss column. Uh, behind uh, four teams that are currently tied ahead of them. In fact, all five wildcard teams are, have 47 losses. Cubs have 51 losses. So they're kind of in it if they if they can if they can win like six out of seven here and re- and really make some noise before the trade deadline. Uh, they'll have a tough decision to make, Chief. Um, which gets Ricketts more money? Good question. Just saying. Do we have Joel? You're doing good morning, hey, Chief. How you, do, how you doing? I missed you last week. It's a, I need my weekly Joel fix. It's been two weeks. How are you? I'm doing good, good. I was in the uh, the uh, northern Michigan once again. I, I urge anyone and everyone that uh, hasn't done a trip up to the Petoskey Harbor Springs area. Uh, absolutely gorgeous. Uh, my uh, One of my daughters wanted to hit Mackinac Island. We did that one day. And... Uh, just love it up there, but back, rest, uh, refresh, relax, and uh, ready to go. What do you got for me? Well, that's uh, that's where all the old Detroit money is up there. Are you old Detroit money? Oh, I wouldn't say uh, I'm from Detroit. <laughs> there you go. It is beautiful. A lot of, if you're a golfer, they've got how many great courses up there, for God's sake. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually from a small town just south of Detroit uh, called Monroe, Michigan. Uh, former home of uh, in the 80s of uh, Kaylani Ray Rafko, who was uh, Miss America. And uh, what I used to say, I was uh, about 40 minutes from Detroit and about 30 minutes from Toledo. So I used to say when I was growing up and a kid that I had the best of both worlds. Yeah, well, I know uh, one of my uh, former clients had a place up in uh, Bay of the Islands, up in uh, actually in Lake Huron on the Canada side. You can actually fly into Petrosky's got an airport, right? They used to fly up there. They do, and drive yeah, from... yeah, they do. They got little airports if you're so inclined to fly in little airplanes. But uh, uh, for us, it's about four and a half, five hour drive. So, uh, how about these markets, yeah. Chief? That uh, they just won't stop going up. We're. Uh, what do you think's causing it? I mean, when this happens, usually there's money coming from someplace. Is is it just? The money that is, you know, obviously the market goes up every day. People have more buying power every day. Is it, is it just momentum based on that? You think, or what, what's it coming? I think it's momentum. I think it's the individual investor uh, getting back uh, into the market. I think that uh, um, really, you know, from your textbook economics, uh, the market should not be going up in the face of rising interest rates. So you had a lot of people on the sidelines not participating in the rally. 
Uh, and uh, a lot of the bigger money anticipated, you know, that the eventual slowdown. I'm, you know, I'm just not so convinced that, you know, inflation's whooped. Uh, but, you know, we'll just have to see the data. The data has been better for about 11 months in a row. People are still spending. People are still traveling. So uh, you just got to kind of put the blinkers on until, you know, some kind of macro event or some kind of economic data starts to tilt us in the other, you know, in the other direction. Uh, but right now we look like we're getting some stability in interest rates. Uh uh, at least maybe won't be going up at the at the rate that they did previously. There's no way they can go from zero to five or five to ten. So I just think you're getting back to a little bit of normalization in the markets, and uh, the individual investor is is coming back in as well. What do you what do you make of uh, like a Microsoft? I mean, we're talking about a, a company that is you know it's pretty darn big, right? So I mean, they are at the point now. I, I'm looking at well, last week. I checked their, their 32 times earnings. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, does that mean everybody's going to be thirty-two times earlier? That's the new, uh, that's the new price level. Uh, the new level, the new acceptable level. You know, that was something that you know I discussed a lot uh, uh, with my co-host on the pre-market show. Is uh, you know, is the market is is there just a new standard? You know, if you thought that uh, you know ten, twelve, thirteen, you know uh, times uh, earnings for the you know P ratio for the S and P. I mean that had always had been the acceptable level, but it seems now that 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 standard is bumped up. And if you're waiting for these PEs to come in on some of these stocks, unfortunately, you're going to miss the rally. Uh, it's been the stocks that you know let us out of COVID. Uh, that you know the technology stocks. It's kind of you know the song remains the same even with the rebalance of the uh, of uh, of uh, the triple Qs and the Nasdaq. I mean. That didn't look too rebalanced to me. So uh, right now you just got to put the blinkers on and just I- I- ignore the PE ratios because uh, you're missing out on a lot of the rally. Well, does that mean? I mean, it every single time we have a turn in the market, and we've had some kind of a crash in my lifetime. You know, at some time before, somebody is going to say, "It doesn't matter. You just got to buy it." And uh, you know, it's <laughs> I, I don't. I mean, I don't I mean obviously. I would love to see the economy grow into these prices. I don't, I don't, I don't know that it. I mean, I look at, at Microsoft and I, I say, okay, can these guys? They really almost have to go up by to get back to a normal PE, whatever that could be, say twenty-three. Even that's probably high. They're going to have to. They and five other companies are going to have to increase their revenue by like fifty percent in the next couple of years. Is that even possible? I mean, or the numbers too big, or I think at the end of the day, Joel, somehow people still think that in times of trouble, the Fed will bail the market out, which they, I mean, they were willing to take their entire uh, pulling money out of the system or stopping the system a little bit. They they totally bleep canned that thought for two weeks on the Silicon Valley thing. And I I have a feeling that people are are counting on these guys that no matter what it is, that they're going to save the wealth bubble. Boy, I don't know if I don't know if he can, I don't know if he can go that route. I mean, uh, I mean, look at it. I mean, the, the poster child of the year is Nvidia, and you know, Carl comes out and he says it's not all that convincing that they are going to be the people that do the AI because what the the party line is, their graphics chips are going to be applicable to AI, and he goes, they might, 
and they also might, it's not a given and that you know the stack is pretty darn high uh you know i i just i mean i hope nobody gets nailed here i really don't but we better do some serious growing into these prices don't you think well, I think in the case of uh, you know of Microsoft, I mean you know they they are making I mean they made a big acquisition you know with uh, with Activision, so um, they themselves recognize that they have to uh, you know have to find other ways to uh, to spur growth and and earnings. So uh, you know that was a big acquisition. It's a big company. So you know when that's going to be accretive to the bottom line, uh, I'm not sure, but. Uh, you know, company Nvidia. I know they've been making some other investments, and you know, nothing huge. Uh, but yeah, there's no, there's no way to tell what, what you know, is it going to be Nvidia chips? But I think at this point, if you're going to spend your time trying to figure that, you know, that stuff out, um, then you're missing out on the rally. And you know, it's uh, that's what a lot of people are doing. They're they're on the sidelines and they're waiting, you know, for this pullback that everyone else is waiting for. So, uh, like I said, company like Microsoft taking steps to, you know, to get back in, you know, to increase revenues, and uh, we'll see if it if it flows the when and if it flows down to the bottom line. Well, so far you've been right. We got a dash. Uh, so far you've been right. I mean, I mean, the, the bet is the biggest companies are going to keep getting bigger and bigger and. You got to be on them. You got to be on those okay. horses. There's no doubt. Getting getting close to football season, yeah. so we'll talk about that yep. next week. Go blue. Yep. And we you got your Northwestern tickets? <laughs> oh boy, boy, yeah. what a mess! What a mess! Oh, oh, that's that's horrible. You know what? You know what? My older daughter says you're not a big time program until you have a scandal. I guess that's be futures up four, and as if he was up forty five. Be right back, Mr. Kenny Polkiri. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now. Stocks and Jacks, time time out. We have Weber on the board playing some good music. SP Futures up four, and NASDAQ Futures up 45. And we have Mr. Kenny Polkari. Um, China replaces Quinn Gang as foreign minister after one month absence, where they were like torture him and stuff, I guess. And allegedly, Kenny Perry in line for the job. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I am absolutely not. I don't go to China, I go near China. I don't pay attention to what was happening in China because I don't believe half the stuff that comes out of it. Yeah, that's uh, that's really something. I like when these people disappear. What's his name? Is he's back alive, right? Uh, what's his name? Jack Ooh, Ma? Ma? Jack Ma? Yeah, he's back alive, isn't he? I 
I, I think he is back alive after they probably tortured him for months and months, but I think he's back alive. That you know, I haven't actually seen him, but they they show still pictures of him. But I'm not sure when those pictures were taken. Oh God, it's like uh, what uh, that was what um, Brendan was talking about with artificial intelligence. They want you to come in and just say some lines and show your face with his new uh, actor's contract. And they yeah. just can use it whenever they want. <laughs> they whenever they want. I know. How crazy is that? Yeah, it's uh, it's goofy stuff. Uh, what do you what do you make of the uh, the Fed so, going in the twelve days in a row? We're going to have the Dow up, and uh, what are we doing here, Kenny? Right. So I think what it does show is that uh, the rally is broadening out. Right. We are seeing some money come out of tech. It's not coming crazy, but it is being reallocated. The earnings season has gotten off to a great start. It has not been this disaster that I think a lot of people have feared. And look, this morning, while I was writing my note, six or seven companies came out, big Dow names and S&P names, Dow, GE, General. Everyone beat on the top and the bottom lines and Watch this, what's going to happen to General Motors now, because they beat and beat significantly and do nothing about raising guidance and talking about how great it is. Wait till the UAW grabs them by the horns and says, okay, we want a piece of that, the same way the Teamsters are doing in the UPS, right? That they want, clearly these companies are making money hand over fist, and the C-suite is taking it all home, leaving the workers, you know, quote-unquote, begging for more money and so i expect the uaw is going to do the same thing with general motors at any moment when uh when uh uh you know when their contract comes up that would be uh i still am not seeing any cost of living stuff on these contracts because they're not sending it to me to review but (laughs) no but i do understand this morning that ups in fact they've gotten over a lot of the major hurdles, they didn't identify him. I just heard them talking about how how the contract negotiations have taken him over the major hurdles, um, and so they're getting closer. I don't think there's going to be a UPS strike. I think in the end, UPS managers is going to cave and give them the better working conditions, better benefits, you know, uh, more money, whatever it is that that, that they're holding them by air conditioning in the trucks and all that stuff. I don't know how they work, by the way, with no air conditioning anyway. That's all another issue, especially in places like Florida now in the summertime. It's crazy to have no air conditioning. Trucks. We used to do that all the time, you know. I hear you, but you know, you and I were of a different generation. We were, all, we were right? also a lot skinnier in those days. <laughs> Just saying. Yes, we were. As a matter of fact. <laughs> I mean, UPS yeah. has had their issue with uh, nobody can ever get full time there, isn't it? Been there? That's been their big bitch of the. I think it, that was one of the issues. Yeah. Right? I didn't really understand what that meant because they, I know a couple of guys that. Uh, well, that work at FedEx that have great, actually, you know, they've got great full-time positions at FedEx. They've made a life for themselves and they've uh, uh, a career for themselves. I'm not really sure I understood that UPS, why you couldn't do that. I think when you show up, and I, I know people that work there, but I think you can be 38-hour part-time, like, forever. You know, it's it's hard to, out of all the people that work there, I think the percentage that are, quote, part-time is higher than any other place you can find, but Again, I, I should get somebody who works there, but I know that's always that's been a real sticky issue for those guys forever. Because once you're full time, then you start getting stock and other stuff, and they try and right. resist doing they that. Try, right, they try to limit that. Which, by the way, I think is baloney because those guys work hard, men and women. Right, they yep. work hard. They should absolutely be participating in you know stock stock plans, and they should be getting stock as part of their compensation because those guys work really, really hard. Oh yeah, and uh, I mean you you see. The the share that that labor is getting, I mean, I, I don't I don't see the airline contract, even though 
Uh, American Airlines allegedly ponied up a billion dollars yesterday to match the United right. uh, plan. I mean, they got $12.5 billion from the government for COVID, so they, they, they pony up 8% of it. That's mighty white of them. Right. Agreed. I, I agree. That's a whole other conversation. We could spend a whole we could spend a whole to- a show talking about that. I'm just saying but, at the end uh, of the day. Well, I'm sorry. I mean, I'm saying at the end of the day, uh, they they the labor is not going to win on this inflation rate between the, the the Fed lying about it and between the prices going up higher than that at a lot of these places. You're not going to see a, a firm that raised their prices. 30% over the last three years, you're not going to see any of the labor getting that kind of rate increase. I mean, they're, no, they're, they're not going to get no, they're not going to get that kind of rate, but I guess the hope is that the inflation rate's going to come down, and then the wages, ultimately, the, the higher wages they get will then compensate. Certainly not going to be as high as what inflation was, but you know they're all betting that inflation's going to come down to 2% or go negative, right? We'll have some disinflation, which I don't think we're going to have at all. No. Certainly, you know, to see inflation come back down to the closer to the 3% range, which I think, by the way, the Fed's going to change the target anyway, go from 2% to 3%, and then they're going to say, oh, look, we won. Right. But does it matter if they if they if they give give you that whatever number they want? Does it? Well, does it matter? You mean if the Fed gives you the new number? Well, I mean if if this if who's ever doing it, the government, right, gives you whatever right. number they want to throw out there. Does it matter? <laughs> no, I don't think it really matters because they're telling us now that oh look, inflation's coming way down. Apparently, nobody goes to the supermarket. Nobody goes to buy food, uh, food, steak, and chicken, and pork, and milk, and uh, any of the other stuff. They don't understand that the price of food is really not coming down at the rate that they want to tell you every month. Oh, look, CPI. You know, and by the way, again, just to make it clear, when the CPI comes in at you know plus three percent or plus four percent, that doesn't mean inflation is coming down. That just means prices are going up slower than they were a year ago, but they're still going up. Do um. Uh... The, the people that masquerade as news people on radio and yeah. TV, do they not know the difference between inflation and price level, or are they just or are they just trying to blow it by us? No, I think they're trying to blow it by us. I think they're trying to just you know they're trying to talk the book of the Fed, right? They get these talking points. Here's what you have to say. Here's how you have to say it. You know, either from the administration, or from the Fed. To here's how you have to say it because it's it's for anyone that goes out there and actually lives in the world and has to go food shopping. We understand there's a very big difference, right? But the but the media, you know, is told here's how you have to present it so this way everyone everyone thinks this is what's happening. I don't need anyone to tell me what to think. I can see it myself when I go to the store the same way you can. Well, if if if, if they are successful at having the price of roofs, windows, cars only go up 2% from here going forward, right? that doesn't help anybody. I mean, it helps them a little no. bit versus it, versus it going up 5% from here. I don't think it can go up 5% from here. I don't, who the hell can afford it? No, well, you can't. And by the way, it's great if, if roofs and windows and doors are only going up 2%. You can't eat roofs, windows, and doors. Well, what I'm saying is right? they, they've already made this 35% jump that, yeah. no, that nobody is no, – nowhere in the numbers does it show it. And it, right. So it, it, I mean, it, if all of a sudden they go 2% or 1.5%, I'm, I'm, the last three years to me has meant that there are an awful lot of people in this country, maybe 40 50%. Will never own a new car ever. Yeah, I mean that's a whole change right. in everybody's and everybody's stuff. And I, and you're, yeah, you're, no, you're, I agree. You see, you see it in these insurance companies. Not that I ever want to hold a tag tag. Those guys are appalled by how much it costs to fix a fender. How how much if you got hail on your roof? What do you mean sixty grand for a roof? Where's that coming from? 
it was 43 right. years ago. Hey, buddy, that's what it, I, I think they're they're appalled by this, and I don't I don't know if people can pay for it. Yeah, I don't think people are going to be able to start to pay. I I don't know how they're going to pay for it. They're going to have to start to really cut back on other things if uh, um, if in fact they're going to be able to pay for it. But I think it's tough. I think it's going to be a tough time. We, now I don't think it's going to be. Uh, you know, I don't think we're there yet, right? Why, I think this recession we, is coming. Go why, ahead. I'm going to say that any anybody anywhere, if you look at, get rid of the top ten percent of the people that watch their market stuff goes up every day. Look at the other eighty or ninety percent. They've been in, in, in recession for four years. Yeah, agreed. So, right, it's been this rolling recession. As much as I tell you, I haven't been there yet. There are people that are absolutely feeling it for sure. Well, I mean, how many people have um, more dough than they did three years ago in terms of what they're paying? If, if, how many what? How many people have more money? If, if you got a house at a reasonable price at a three percent mortgage, yeah. you're able to get yourself down, and you never have to move. You can right. you, you can you can get through this. I think pretty easily. As long as you don't Correct. lose your job, it, yeah. it really depends on your individual spot. I right. mean, if if you didn't have a house to sell and to trade, I you know the people that are the entry level people, that's pretty tough. I mean, Audrey still got pretty good business, but it's virtually everybody who has a house that they're selling and and moving up, and then that person is might be older and they're moving down. It's people that are trading houses. It's 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 re- right. it's not easy for somebody to pile right in from the first one. No, no. I was out to lunch with uh, with a friend of mine yesterday. It was up here in in uh, Ingham, Massachusetts, along the water in the in the uh, south of Boston. And he bought his house I don't know five or six years ago, and uh, he's got a young family and everything. And his real estate agent just called him up and said, "Listen, you know, I get someone that wants to pay you two and a half million dollars for the house." He goes, he said to me, "Kenny, why would I sell it? I have a two point seven five percent mortgage on my house, and where am I going to go if I sell it for two and a half million? That's great." I got to buy something for at least two and a half million or three million, and my mortgage rate's going to go up to seven percent. Why would I? Why? I said you're not. You're going to stay exactly where you are as long as the house, as long as you can fit in the house, which they do. Um, I said, why would you even consider leaving? But the but you know the, the agents trying to dangle this like, wow, look at this. I get you two and a half million. That's great. But where am I going? Well, right. I mean, if, how if am you, I going to replace this? If you if you think one of the guys in the trading floor here. I don't think it probably cost him his marriage, so it's probably he probably don't want to do it. He he had a house in Lincoln Park or somewhere, uh, uh, Old Town, I think it was, and they bought it for you know I don't know three four hundred thousand. And, and right before the two thousand and seven fiasco, he yeah. he sold it for a million something. They rented right. for a year and bought something just as nice for like eight hundred grand. I mean, he, I mean, right. someplace somewhere, if the price gets too, you're right, you, you have nowhere to go and. And your house is not really the same as a second car or baseball cards or stuff, I and mean, you got to live someplace. So, but someplace, somewhere, somebody is going to, on the right day, and I'm going God, I'll never know the right day, is going to sell his house, go go rent for a year, and then pile back in because I don't, I don't know if this is sustainable, Kenny, at these interest rates. Aren't you kind of stunned that the prices haven't gone down at all? I am absolutely stunned that the prices haven't gone down at all. I haven't. But you see, and I keep talking about this when I write my note, like when you get, notice what's happening with existing homes versus new homes, right? Existing home sales have fallen off. Prices haven't come down, but they fought, the, the, the existing homes have fallen off. But new homes continue to surge ahead. Why? Because if you're looking in the market, if you're uh, you know a couple looking to buy a house and you can go and buy an existing house that needs work and renovation and blah, 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 versus a new home where the builders are financing you and they can actually buy the rate down make it more attractive and by the way they can give you upgrades and new kitchens and better countertops and better floors and all that stuff and it's all shiny new 
which is which is what they're doing. That's where you're seeing the demand going. Existing home sales have continued to fall off, but the price is what, to your point, I don't understand why the prices aren't coming down because I think people get married and they think my house is worth X when it's when in a 7% environment, it's really not worth X anymore. If, if all it would take, and boy, I sure as hell I want to see this, Kenny, all it would take would be some kind of breakdown in the uh, labor market. Yep. All of a sudden, if you had Five or ten percent of people were forced to move. I think we were, yep. we're looking at another two thousand seven. Let's just hope it doesn't happen. And we, yeah. and, and we, I mean, I really hope we just extend out. People keep making some dough, and uh, maybe get a little raise here and there, and the price level doesn't get much worse. And somehow we ride this out. It's, but I think right. it, there's a chance no, that could I happen. Th- there is a chance it could happen. And I think that's what Jay Powell. You know, I will say I was one of those people six or eight months ago that thought we were coming in for a crash landing. I no longer think it's going to be a crash landing anymore. Well, I don't think it's going to be soft. I think it's going to be softer than I originally thought. And if he can manage that and keep the job market strong, but manage to bring eco stats down, then maybe you're right. Maybe, maybe, maybe it'll be a bumpy ride, but not, you know, not a disaster. Well, they can't keep pushing the market higher. I mean, you might be able to get away with a 32 PE in Microsoft. If you let it get to 40, you're, you're going to get a crash. Agreed. Agreed. And look, the, like I said in my note this morning, the market's already trading at 19 times 2023 earnings and, and 18 times or 20 times 2023 and 19 times 2024 earnings, which I think is a bit rich considering we're at a 7%, you know, or 5%, 5.5%, almost uh, closer to 6%. Uh, terminal rate, so I think there has to be a little bit of of, uh, of a pullback. I don't think it's going to be a crash, but it should be a pullback, unless, of course, uh, corporate America continue can continue to just pump out profits. Well, by I'm raising prices, so pr- sure I can. Well, well by, it, by raising prices, by right? Raising at prices. some point, where, where does it become inelastic? At some point, I think in some areas it already is. Uh, yeah, interesting to see percent. if it's in the cars, but. Anyway, Kenny, thank thank you very much. We're going to try and get these dates together, see who's interested. Yeah, I gave him a couple of dates in August and September, so I'm waiting to hear from him. All right, buddy, we'll hear from him. He's right there. He's right right there. (laughs) 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 I'm seven. He's up 63. We'll be be right back, Professor Helsenar. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification, or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708 349 
708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control! Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. There's something happening here. Well, North Face Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tomorrow. Matt Weber on the board. SP Futures up 575. Nasdaq Futures up 58. Manny, how come the thing always sounds better when you're there? I mean, I'm actually getting the stereo on both headphones and everything today. No blinking off. What do you, <laughs> what do, you, what do, you do? Does the machine just like you or what? Uh, I don't know. I guess I just uh, know what buttons to push. <laughs> Evidently. Professor, how are you, buddy? Oh, I'm doing well. Well, that's, that's good. Good summer. It hasn't been too hot here in New York, that's for sure. Yet. Yeah, yeah. I heard it's going to be uh, blowing up this uh, week or so. It's, it's coming our way, and then we're going to yeah. you know, hopefully ship it off to you. <laughs> hopefully, a, hopefully, a, like a high pressure system, kind of like moves down over New York and forces that heat onto you for until like late August, and then kind of flies through the Northeast, and then we have a nice cool fall. That's what I'm praying for. I was always uh... a. <laughs> Astonished, you know, me being the railroad guy that I am, was always astonished, Maddie. I don't know if you've ever done the subways in New York versus here. Of course. But the, the difference in a hot day in New York, I mean, you, not that you would ever want to, but you could actually escape from the street here down to the subway, and it's a lot cooler. In mm. New York, it's not the way it is. Those things come in there and they're belching all that air conditioning. And if it's 100 outside in New York, what's it, what's it on a subway platform, like 125 or something? Um, you know, I haven't really ridden the subway since uh, the semester ended. I think the last time I rode the subway was for graduation. So I haven't been to Manhattan. Well, I was in Manhattan for uh, my my wife and son went to uh, the uh, this Comic Con for uh, Harry Potter, and my kids and I went to Central Park. And that's the last time I've been to. That's the only time I've been to New York this uh, summer. So I haven't. I I don't know. I haven't experienced the subway in the summertime, but it's a it's a uh, whole different world. You you would think it would yeah. be. My first time. Well, it gets hot. It gets hot in those tunnels. Yeah. Um, in the spring, it was it was boiling in those tunnels, and the spring was pretty mild here. So I can imagine it's a lot hotter uh, in well, July. Well, for those that that kind of don't know the uh, who was the guy who invented a carrier, giant carrier, air conditioning basically takes the the heat out of some air and puts it elsewhere. It transfers it. Oh yeah, it just transfers it. Trans- it. Yeah. So, yeah. I, mean, I, I was going to a board meeting. And I don't know why the hell I was I had my suit on. It was the day before because I was there for some marketing thing. Of course, I got my suit on. You always walk around New York, and it, the city holds the heat well. I mean, if you walk down the sidewalk in New York, if it's ninety-eight, I mean, you're, it's, it's just coming out every piece of concrete coming at you, right? Uh, yeah. So I figured, okay, at least I get down the subway; it'll be cooler. The car comes in and. 
mean, the, the cars here are 55 feet. The cars out there are 75 feet. So they're almost like a real train car. Uh, and they're all air-conditioned. So an eight-car train pulls into the station. The, tr- the train is just belching hot air up on yeah. the platform. And you're like... Yeah, it's, pull, it's, pulling, it's pulling the heat out of the inside of the car yeah. and pushing it outside. And you you yeah. can't wait to get inside because you're just dying <laughs> outside. Oh, God. Anyway, we... Uh, I was coming back from a World Series game out there, and we were on a, a get on a subway car, and the air conditioning didn't work. Right, this is after it's like mm. you know eleven thirty at night, and it's packed. You know, yeah, you that's little, brutal. You got your little strap there. Well, we, and plus the thing stops under the Bronx River. I don't know something mm. happened to it, so we're just standing there, and I've got you know a, like a polo shirt on, and I'm you know you can feel the sweat kind of running down your back, which is always a great feeling, right? And, there, and there's a guy standing next to me. I don't know if this dude was a guy who was a Tomb of the Unknown Soldier guy. He still got his suit on, his tie, the button buttoned, and the little clip pin where he shoves the tie up higher so it looks better. And the guy, yeah. there's not a bead of sweat on the dude, and I'm thinking, <laughs> this this guy is not human. I'm just staring at him. Well, <laughs> you know, in the Navy, uh, I went on Westpac to uh, Persian Gulf and Africa and Oman, Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, and the engine room was sucking in water was 30, 93 degrees. The seawater temperature was like 93 degrees. That's the cooling and waters, 93? Ouch. That was the cooling water on the ship, yeah. And the space was 120, and inside an old nuclear power plant, there's steam everywhere, so the humidity has got to be at least 120. I mean, it was just horrible. And we had we had stay times. Our maximum watch was three hours long. Normally, they're five. We come out of that, and we go to Hawaii, and I'm standing main, main engine... Uh, Watch and I'm monitoring seawater sea temperatures, and the seawater temperature drops down to like, I don't know, 78 or something like that. And the engine room just kind of cools off. And my buddy and I, we have Liberty for two days. Uh, we have Liberty Pass for two days in Hawaii. And we rented a car and we were driving around uh, 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 the island, the big island. I think it's the big island, or Honolulu. We're driving around yeah. Honolulu and uh, we, we think, hey, we need some Thai food. So we pull in under this bank sign. And it's like 7 o'clock at night. And I get out of the car, and I'm cold. I'm freezing to death. And I look up at the sign, and it says 92 degrees. And that <laughs> yeah. felt awesome to me. I felt cold. I had to put my jacket on. Well, you were on do you, a, you do, Your body does adjust. You were on a nuclear surface ship, right? Yeah, n- nuclear surface ship, yep. Um, you know, it, remember when Fari was on that one day, uh, Maddie, and people were talking about uh, global warming back, I don't know, this is, what, five, six years ago, Maddie? And, and Fari was talking about, he's from Iran, so he knows a lot about heat in the Middle East. And he goes, some of these places, you know, the normal temperature is like 120, 125. And he said, you know, people, you know, kind of laugh at global warming. He said, I'm not saying what's causing it. Guy, you know, using a gas-powered lawnmower is probably not causing it. But he said, if they go up even 4 or 5 degrees, if you start getting 130, he goes, everybody's got to move. And I yeah. said, I mean, I remember anybody saying, what are you talking about? He, he says... There's a there's a number at which camels can't live, insects can't live. You just gotta go. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, he goes, it's not like well, you know, I mean, if you, you really go one fifty and still live there. Uh, Ten thousand years ago, when the seas were a lot lower, uh, there was a land bridge from uh, Russia into the Americas, and that's when there was a mass migration of humans into the Americas. Yep. So, I mean, humans have always known when it's too hot you got to move right so i i I suspect everybody will move except the obamas and the bidens and the pelosi's who all have these nice million dollar 
few level properties, right? When when they head to Idaho and they go to the Rocky Mountains, then I'll think I'll worry about it then. <laughs> You're gonna worry about it then, but yeah, it's it's yeah. uh you know, I mean these are these are issues. I mean, and uh, yeah. I guess you know, whatever. I mean, did you see the lady in? Uh, uh, well, there 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 are these massive cities that we're now discovering. Yeah, yeah. they're 100 feet above sea level. So what does that mean? The seas have risen, and yep. they've fallen, and they've risen, and they've fallen. In Central Park, for example, if you've ever gone to Central Park, those big uh, 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 granite boulders they have in there, if you look at them really closely, there are these scores and the lines that kind of move in parallel, right? And what that is, it's from uh, a sheet of ice that was twice as tall as the Empire State Building, compressing on those boulders in Central Park, and Scoring the boulders with the pebbles between the massive ice sheet and those boulders. So the climate has fluctuated, and I'm not saying go out and pollute. If you, if you're worried about CO2, build a bunch of nuclear power plants like Sweden and Norway. No, we don't. We, we don't want to do anything like that. We just want to uh, blame people. Yeah, there's, yeah. No, there's no solution. No we, we, want, we want to take gov- my my taxpayer dollars, our taxpayer dollars, give it to a politician, and then yeah. have the politician pass it out to their friends, whether Republican or Democrat, and do these projects that make their, their friends very, very wealthy, and themselves very wealthy. Well, there was a, kind of a quick, I don't know if you had a chance to listen yesterday, Matty, but, uh, you know, it wasn't, I've known him for three, four years, uh, uh, iconic judge here in Chicago. You talk about money from the government. Uh, there's a iconic, iconic judge here in Chicago, Mike Tooman. He just passed away suddenly. Well, not suddenly, but pretty quickly. And, uh, a lot of people that knew him are, you know, I'm bumming this week about it for sure. I really like the guy. But he, he was the guy, Matty, if you ever have nothing to do, Wikipedia Jeff Short, Jeff Fort, who was the head of the Black Blackstone Rangers, which became the Black Peace Stone Nation, then he became, uh, he turned Muslim when he was in jail. <laughs> the guy, he was the head of a street gang, and some preacher on the south side said, you should apply for government money to do like government work projects so the guy does it he, oh, gets, he gets he gets dough from the government and he gets invited to nixon's inauguration <laughs> the guy's wow. head of a street <laughs> <laughs> then he ends up going to jail because he mismanaged the money uh yeah. then then he has a he ends up i don't know there's some kind of a murder trial oh, oh get a load of this he hooks up with a deal with Muammar Gaddafi in libya where he was going to get guns from Libya in return for knocking off a couple of uh, politicians here that, that Momar didn't like. So he ends up in, in Judge Tuman's court, and there's massive security at the cl- court. Now, how, this, how a, a federal terrorism charge ended up in a Cook County court, I have no idea. This was a while ago. So the, there's massive uh, security at Tuman's house, front and back, and at the courthouse. We're talking like machine gun nests. <laughs> so Tillman sentenced the guy to 80 years in jail. And, uh, Matty, what's, there, there's uh, solitary confinement, and there's one higher than that. He can't even be in eyesight or hand signal sight of another prisoner for fear he'd be giving wow. orders out of there. I don't, I don't know what that, what that is. But it's, it sounds like the uh, treatment of the, uh, the prisoner in the original Longest Yard, the one that had... The jiu-jitsu, and he'd come out in the in the yard. They take his uh, handcuffs off, and he had practiced jiu-jitsu. And he and uh, Burt Reynolds recruited him to be his fullback. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> the guy that had the bald head. 
Well, you, stuff like that guy's treatment. Yeah, I mean, but they, uh, you know, I mean, some of the stuff you you couldn't. The people that get money from the government, you couldn't write fiction like this. I mean, how does yeah. how does guy became a community organizer when he was out of a of a street gang? <laughs> Just, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, he le- he learned. Uh, I guess you, you call it political moral hazard. Yeah. When you're when you're spending somebody else's money, you can really make some really bad decisions and get really deep into the dark. I guess I don't know. Well, how much how much further? I mean, this is I mean, you're nice thing about being uh, an economist, I and mean, I used to love listening to the guys at Notre Dame and in Chicago because I mean, don't 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 take this the wrong way. The job is almost like mine in the sense that you're you're supposed to be aware of what's going on in the world and be able to apply principles that you know to what's going on and and talking to your students about it here's here's the theory and here's what's happening here's how they sort of get together i mean for me it's sort of the same way it's why i have to watch the news all day for my people they pay me to do that so they can go they can go over a real job i mean for lack of a better term um and you try and match one to the other you know what? Hell, it's pretty hard to do. I mean, it's pretty hard to do. And you, when you when you start pricing securities and you say, "God, these things are a little high or these are a little cheap," don't think for a second because you think. I mean, it, when we started the year, when I say we, a lot of the clients after last year, when your you know, big stocks went you know went down a rat hole, a lot of them, you couldn't get anybody that wanted to be in those stocks this year, and everybody wanted the solid dividend stocks and those kinds of things. If you were to, up until Really, two three weeks ago, where this rally started to broaden out a little bit, some huge number of stocks were down on a year, and yet everybody's convinced by watching TV that the, the market's up, the averages are up because well, because eight stocks are up, seven stocks are up. I mean, I mean, if you were went if you went the dividend route and income and had telephone and Verizon and those kinds of things, you're 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 you know you're the part that goes over the fence last. But I mean, everybody yeah. every you know it's. Matching up the theory with what's happening is always kind of tough, and I, I thought the. Economy, well, I, I think the reason why that is, Tom. I think the reason why that is is because economists uh, rely on this phrase "ceteris paribus," and "ceteris paribus" isn't uh, a real reality reality for the demand of donuts when you're driving into work that day. Because you'll look up and you'll see, oh, uh, two for one uh, uh, egg McMuffins, and then your demand for the donut drops immediately and then your demand for uh, egg McMuffins increases. So Ceteris Paribus is what gets a lot of economists in trouble. Demand curves are constantly fluctuating. They're not linear lines. Uh, there's no way to make them linear lines. Uh, the only thing that the demand curve suggests is when the prices are generally high, you buy less and when prices are low, you tend to buy more. But that, that's all it is, right? There's no line, and they're not stationary. And in macroeconomics, it's even more difficult because you can't explain a $20 trillion economy with, like, eight variables. You just can't do it. Well, you, can, you, can, uh, you can't come up with the changes. I mean, I mean look, yeah. in, I mean, we talked earlier about uh, there was a thriving business. If you went to a movie theater, the movies are, you know, whatever, hour and a half, you got your popcorn, you got your Coke, you sat down, and you sat in your seat, and that was it. And then, yeah. all, then all of a sudden, now you got the Barker Lounger chairs. And, oh, by the way, there's a bar there. And if you want a hot dog, they got a hot dog or maybe something else and, you know, kind of good stuff. 
Well, now all of a sudden, look what that did to the places afterward, right? I mean, you know, there's no, there's no, why, why are you going somewhere afterward? You already had your three drinks and whatever, and you've you had it. Yeah. So you, you just, you kind of shift the stuff around is, is, yeah. is, is what you do. And, uh, which is actually, that's the sign of a vibrant economy, uh, in my mind. Now, the, now the other, the other, well, then, then you saw the, the bars say, okay, we'll compete with that. We're going to have, Massive TVs where you can watch eight different sporting events, and we're going to essentially compete with the movies. Something the guys are going to want to come in here and watch four different football games, and you know, yeah, you, you know, but that's the market that, system. And think yeah, about yeah. think of that about the market system there. Yeah. Think about how awesome they catered to us. Can you imagine people from the eighteen eighties at a bar in some Irish pub in New York City coming into a sports bar today? They wouldn't know what to think. They yeah. would think that. Everybody, everybody's king, uh, uh, Queen Elizabeth won. You know, it, it, it would blow their minds about how much uh, businesses cater to us, right? Well, but and it, that, that that to me tells us things are pretty good. But I think we're the the economy's starting to bifurcate. I think we're, we're we got a set of policies and whether a fiscal monetary policy, it, it's starting to bifurcate society. And you're going to have a lot of people um, on the on one end, and you're going to have a very few people on the other end. And the recessions aren't going to feel well recessions feel like recessions for them, but it's going to hurt for everybody else. Well, I think when you have the responsiveness, we're talking about bars, okay? Not yeah. Maddie, you and I have never been in a bar, have we? Uh, we we'd, we'd be like libraries or coffee shops. Uh, not this week. Yeah, not, it's only Tuesday. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm guessing you're going after softball on Thursday. I'll take the guess. Oh, yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> so, so your week is two days? Anyway. Uh, but I, I think that the amount of – name me bars is probably one of them. Uh, restaurants, although COVID, I think, took a chop out of that. Uh, name me five industries that are really competitive. I, can't, I, I bet I could name five. I don't know if I can name ten. Yeah. Well, I think electronics, uh, entertainment, you know, I tell you, entertainment's really good. I mean, there are actors I've never heard of. There are movie directors I've never heard of. There are writers that I've never heard of. And on Apple Plus, they have some really awesome shows on that uh, streaming service. I mean, just killer. Um, I watched The uh, uh, Silo. Killer. They take these really interesting books and make these really great series out of them. Um, so in that space, I love what's going on. I love the fact that Hollywood's monopoly is being slowly destroyed by just all these different streaming companies. And I think that's going to really take off in the future. Because well, there's, there's no way to restrain that. streaming. That's a distribution. But they're always, yeah. well, there were always yeah. a boatload of independent filmmakers. Well, yeah, but, man, I'll tell you, the quality of these TV series, like uh, The Silo, I mean, that is a really, I think it's well done. And then you got the Terminal List from Amazon Prime. I mean, just really good uh, uh, movie quality production in a TV series. It's just incredible to me. Well, yeah, so I think that's a great that's a great area. Well, that that's all. Well, yeah. And then you got software. You got yeah. software, right? You got... Yeah, more. You got a lot more uh, social media yeah, you platforms. Don't have, Twitter. How much? How much software? If before you know about it, Microsoft or somebody's buying them up. Yeah, but there's all kinds of uh, software out there. I mean, it, it, in the '80s, you had to have like Lotus One, Two, Three, right? 
I mean, that was basically it. But you have Google Sheets. Google Sheets, you know, I, I prefer Excel to Google Sheets, but Google Sheets is pretty good. It's pretty good. Okay, but it you, takes a while to get used to it, but, but you, it's awesome spreadsheet. I'm, awesome. I'm pushing back here because uh, Excel is absolutely a, that should have been ripped away from Microsoft years ago because it comes with the computer and you you can't get rid of it, and, and then you yeah. got to pay for it. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 not it's it absolutely is vertical integration, right? I mean, yeah, oh yeah. I mean, I mean what what happened to uh, MapQuest? Yeah, you know what happened to WordPerfect, right? Yeah. I mean, they, when you say there's, yeah, but you got you got you got Google Docs. I'm, I'm saying Google Docs is good too. Okay, but you're 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 talking about Google competing with Microsoft. In, in yeah. my world, that, that isn't exactly competitive. I mean, yeah. Yes, there's two choices among if, the well, duopoly. If Microsoft gets too if Microsoft gets too expensive, um, I don't think that a switch from it to uh, Google uh, uh, programs is. Uh, much of a drop off. Well, I, I mean, I still use the Microsoft products because I'm attached to University right, right, that but I get a talking, free license. All right, but you're talking about a duopoly. Yeah. I mean, uh, but you know, but the price for Google Docs. I mean, the price is other than my data, the price is pretty low. Okay, I'm, 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 all I'm saying is, it, by no stretch is it competitive like you and I would define competition. There, there probably yeah. is, and I'll bet you know Kevin or Carl or somebody. There probably is a third or fourth choice somewhere. That somebody knows yeah. nothing about. Well, there's there's yeah. like there's something like Open Office. Open Office is uh, freeware. Yeah, yeah. We'll and it, it's a it's a credible it's a credible program uh, platform too. Well, you know, it's uh, I've had my computer at home so damn long. Uh, guess who set it up for me, Matt? It was a uh, Thomas. So Thomas comes in and he goes, "Chief, you don't want to use uh, Google. What's the other the other browser? Uh, Fire something something? Is it Fire? Firefox is one. Firefox. Yeah, yeah. So he puts Firefox on there, right? So I've been using Firefox like forever. And, yeah, it's, it's pretty good. It's, and plus, I felt pretty cool. I wasn't using one of the other guys' stuff. All of a sudden, one day I go in there and, and it's gone. I'm like, what, what happened to my Firefox? Well, Microsoft up, updated my computer and erased the yeah. Firefox. And, yeah. and so I go back. To, it, it'll change. It'll change the defaults too. It, yeah. and, it, and, went, and I went over to reinstall it. It wouldn't let me reinstall it. Hmm. Now that's you know yeah. I, I know nothing about software, but I'm saying. That sort of sucks. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, what I'm saying is you, you, the, the, a competitive economy, it, 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 to me, is one of those beautiful things to look at. You know, but now all yeah. of a sudden, look at the stuff now as, as we talk about this inflation, or we have. I mean, I don't care what the Fed does. They can, they can dance in the street naked. They're not going to get Commonwealth Edison or People's Gas Who've managed over the last three years to jam through the rate increase? That that's yeah. never coming down. So yeah. Well, the thing about it, even if there is monopoly, and that monopoly is heavily protected by government through regulations or con laws or whatnot, eventually it gets to the point where when you're a monopoly, you don't face the competitor. Uh, you you get uh, sloppy and lazy because you have no competition, and the services that you're providing get uh, increasingly worse. And at some point, the consumer pushes back, and I, you're seeing that in public education. Parents across the nation are there, more and more states are adopting uh, voucher systems uh, to so parents can have choices with uh, who's going to educate their kids. So I think uh, over the long run, and we're all dead in the long run, right? Yeah. But over the long run, uh, a, a, a bad behavior monopoly. It, that continues to behave be had, uh, badly 
and treat customers poorly, even if they have protection from government, uh, customers will get at one point will have enough of it and demand change. And change comes. I, uh, on one hand, I'm, I'm gonna I, you're gonna love being put in this class, okay, of the the guys who were endowed professors at the University of Chicago. And I, when I was in grad school, uh, hell, boy, one of these days I'm gonna show up for one of your classes. Uh, I, it struck me even then that if you're an endowed professor like a Stigler or somebody, you have a total different view of the world than a, a regular person. I'm not. A, yeah. Mean, and on the one hand, I, I could never argue with you intelligently to say, yes, if Commonwealth Edison really screws up or, or people's gas, if the delivery fee for gasoline, my, my gas bill last month was $55. Hours, I didn't use any gas. And now it's a customer fee. You know, yeah. been, We have four units in the building. We have one gas line. So it was 220 bucks just for the four customer fees with 100-year-old gas line. All right, so, so yeah, if if they push it to a hundred bucks, hundred and ten, I can't argue with you that fifteen years from now somebody somewhere is going to take it upon himself and say what the f, and, and yeah. somehow we'll yank, you know, we'll find another way to get gas or we'll do something or we'll slap somebody on the, on the hand or something, but the fact is, the number should be twenty, and for and for thirty thirty years and thirty bucks a month for ninety bazillion people. That's a real lot of dough that's never coming back. It's going to the chairman. Yeah. Of, it's going to the chairman of People's Gas and out of my pocket. So yeah, in the long run, will there be a fix or will electric take over or will somebody develop a windmill or you know whatever? I'm with you. In the a nuclear powered battery that uh, lasts yeah. for 2,800. Yeah, years. I mean, I, I, I'm absolutely with you that someday, somewhere, but the money stolen in the meantime is dramatic by not being competitive. Yeah. I think. Well, I think I think I've uh, kind of learned how that. I'm from a small town, and I'm living in New York now. And I'm my, my mother-in-law is paying her property taxes, and she's retired, and she has to pay almost eight thousand dollars in property tax. And I'm thinking, man, she's retired. Yeah. Her house is paid off, and she still has a mortgage, essentially. Yep. And in Long Island, out in Long Island, it's even worse. If you own a house in Long Island and it's paid off, you're probably paying twenty-two hundred dollars a month in property taxes a year. Well, it's and it's- so. When people see a $50 fixed fee on a, a gas line that uh, no, no gas passed through, and they have to pay a $22 monthly tax bill, I, I, I don't think that rises up to that point where people demand change. Well, that's what I'm saying. If, they if just kind of take it up. They just tend to take it up the walls. If, if you're yeah. if you're going to steal, you want to yeah. st- you want to steal small. You want to. You want to yeah. charge four cents for a text message that costs you a half. Yeah, a monopoly, monopolies yeah. Uh, protected by government are very good at doing that. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah, it's it's the yeah. it's a little bit of a stuff. Pro- I would suspect they're probably lobbying against. They're probably like the the medical professionals, you know, that are unionized in the medical uh, American medical. Well, that, that, well, that's another against technologies yeah. that might replace them, right? Yeah, I mean, can you imagine in twenty years the cost of healthcare if innovation were truly allowed to take off in the medical field? Where people could develop these microscopic robots that could float around in our body and kill invading um, bacteria or uh, virons. Can you imagine that? But the doctors don't want it because they want to be the they want to do the doctoring, right? Same thing with Con Edison. Yeah, but the doctor- they're probably lobbying against all these experimental energy sure. products that could flourish. Well, sure, I don't, they yeah. have they have their system and they just want to get paid more for it. Yeah. But it's yeah. but we have 
I'm saying the more the more you you look at this stuff, the more it gets. I mean, I don't think automobiles your your taxes aren't coming down, so the inflation you're stuck here. I think anyway. SP futures up, yeah. up a buck seventy five. Nasdaq futures up forty two. Be right back. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time to gain for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Hello, this is Tom Howe, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and try to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, Rock Packs, Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Weber on the board. SP Futures up two and a quarter now. Still up, but kind of leaking a little. NASDAQ Futures down, up 46. Dow Futures actually down 13. Individual stocks in the Dow. I got Caterpillar up a buck. I've got 3M up 282. They just had earnings. Earnings obviously were pretty good because they're up 282. There's a, there's a stock that, that uh, I was talking a little bit earlier about stocks and, and the year. These guys were, uh, let me get the, the one year plot here. These guys, you know, they're. They're really a bellwether, in my opinion, of all the products they have. And they're they're they started the year at uh, where are we? Six May twenty three. Were they started the year at like one fifty, and now they just made it. They were down to under ninety five. Now they're back to one hundred seven. You know, that was one that everybody wanted. They pay a nice dividend and everything. That would not have been a good buy this year. Maybe, maybe here, who knows? Uh, Renasia, big move over here, and uh, the Hang Seng up four percent. Up 766, 19,434. And they were over 19,000 like a week ago and then went flying down on her back up. DK down 18, call that flat. Shanghai up 67, uh, uh, plus 2%. Where uh, China vows support for the ailing property market, which is more than ailing, it's on life support. But they haven't done no details as to what that is. Dax up 6, call that flat. FTSE up 15.2%. CAC around up 7.1%. So 
slightly bullish over there as, it, as we have the first day of the Fed meeting today. Announcement will be tomorrow. DAX up 183.5. Oh, no, this is yesterday. The Dow was up 183. S&P futures up 18. NASDAQ up 26. So we're trying for 12 in a row on the Dow today. Eh, might get it. We might get it. A 10-year rate up 4 basis points, 3.90, creeping towards 4. The Bund up 2 basis points, 2.41. Japan up 2 to back to 0.48. Again, they're... Their governmental top is like 0.50 when they start doing some stuff to make sure it doesn't go any higher. Oil, now down 9 cents. It was up a little bit earlier. 78.65. It's still, I'm, I'm saying a breakout from the range a little bit. Uh, Brent down 8 cents, 82.66. Natural gas up a penny, 269. Arbob down 2 cents, 287. We've got gold down 2 bucks, uh, 119.60. Still kind of in that range. Silver up 18 cents, 24.77. Whenever it gets over 25, it just comes right back down. Copper up seven cents, 392. We've got crypto up nine bucks, but still it got a big hit over the weekend. 29,120 US dollar. Last but not least, it's virtually it's up a little bit against the uh, the euro at 110, and it's flat against the pound at 128. Matty, what do you got for us, uh, Trevi Weather Sports? 37 minutes past the hour. Good morning once again to everyone out there. We had an earlier crash on the inbound Eisenhower just before First Avenue that completely just decimated uh, the traffic situation if you're coming in from the western suburbs. That, that was uh, relatively quiet uh, last hour, and now uh, significant delays well over an hour uh, if you're heading in on I-290, so avoid that if at all possible. Outbound side looks okay. No issues on the Edens or Kennedy, just normal uh, substantial traffic buildup due to the road construction in both directions uh, on the Kennedy. Uh, traffic building on the Stevenson, but no accidents to report. Southside Expressways are looking okay. Weather today, we begin our warm-up uh, today. Uh, we'll see uh, partly cloudy skies with a high of 86, and then we'll be in the low to mid-90s beginning tomorrow for the next few days. Uh, right now, it is mostly clear and 72, going up to a steamy high of 86. For our Phoenix listeners, a little warmer down there. Sunshine with a high of 117 today. Right now, it's clear and 94. In sports, uh, Cubs and Sox were both off last night. They'll square off tonight on the south side uh, to uh, resume their Crosstown Classic interleague matchup. Uh, two games set beginning tonight with Kyle Hendricks versus Michael Kopech on the mound. Uh, two teams kind of going in opposite directions right now. The White Sox are well out of the race and have lost three in a row. Cubs have won three in a row and are kind of uh, right on the edge of, uh, of, of seriously considering the wild cards. So we'll see how the next couple of nights goes and uh, determines the seasons for both of these teams. Lastly, it was the Diamondbacks losing to the Cardinals 10-6. to Chief. The, uh, now we got uh, some of the earnings today. Uh, was like I say, we 3M is up a little bit. We've got a couple of we got uh, Spotify down eight bucks. Uh, they've obviously disappointed a little bit. So we got the earnings kind of flashing back and forth here. We've got uh, Verizon is actually up uh, ninety cents. Um, so they they must have had decent ones. So we've got uh, you know uh, a lot of earnings stuff. I, in the securities business, um, you know, I it's when I when I first started, every firm and there were all these firms that you know. They prided themselves on their quote research, and if you went to, you know, Smith Barney, you were supposed to get their research and their guys. And every one of these places, they probably had—I'm not going to say they, they covered every stock, but they covered a lot of stocks. I mean, the big ones that everybody knew about. There'd be a guy that covered GM, that covered him. Everybody might have ten, fifteen stocks, and there really were people that you know checked on the sales and purchases from suppliers and so forth. And guys would come out with these earnings expectations, and now the the uh, 
I don't think, I mean, nobody charges much commission anymore, so nobody does that work for people. Allegedly, you know, Morgan and, and Goldman do, give give their clients recommendations, uh, how good they are at it, who knows. But that whole class of people seems to be a lot less than it was. You know, it's like reporters now. There aren't very many reporters either. Um, who, the hell, who exactly is doing all the expectating? And when they say the expectations are here, the companies are pretty tight-lipped with all the... Uh, you know, giving people uh, preliminary earnings expectations and so forth. When they came out, oh, IBM is uh, 48 cents, ex- expected 49. Who the hell's, where's the 49 coming from? I can't, I'm in the industry and I can't figure it out. <laughs> maybe maybe that's just a narrative that won't, needs to be told, I guess. I don't know. I mean, uh, I think uh, expectations of uh, consumer consumer sentiment are, are done, by, is done by the University of Michigan. Michigan, right? So yep. they survey consumers. Um, there's a, a couple of surveys for economists, but I can't imagine economists going through different stocks no. and saying, "Well, I think it's going to be 40, and I think it's going to be 30," and then they take the average. I, I just don't see that. So uh, I'm with you. And if you don't know where it's at, I'm not going to know where it's at because I don't. I don't pay attention to uh, the interday um, ups and downs of stock prices. I just don't pay attention to it. So. Uh, you know, if may, maybe it just comes from, uh, you know, you, you said there's very few journalists left, and I agree. Uh, maybe if you support uh, a, a political group of people and you want things to sound good, you'll say it beats expectation. If, if you're a critic yeah, of that yeah. uh, that politician, you'll say it, it it didn't beat expectations. And and a lot of times when you see the people on the news, they're they're more opinion drivers than they are oh, news sure. reporters. Yeah. Right, and a lot of times, a lot of times you watch them, and you turn the channel, and it's the same talking points over and over and over. It's like going through a website. It's like going through Google search. All, all Google search. I hate Google search, by the way. It's not search. I'll search something in Google, and I'll get the same article in the top fifty uh, results. It'll be the same article you, just published by a different web you, company. What do you use instead? Oh, I, I I go about. I either go like uh, 50 pages in, or I use like I think Bing is a much better search. Okay. Bing and Google will give you a, a completely different search, completely different search. So I'll 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 use different. I'll use Firefox. I'll use Edge. I'll use uh, well Edge is Bing. I'll just kind of bounce around when I'm really wanting to find something. I will not use Google. Google is not search. Google tells you what it wants you to think. So I, I stay. If I need a, if I want something objective, if I want something that you know, uh, some some, you know, like, or I'll go to like local news. But man, Google's Google search is horrible. I mean, it just repeats the same story over and over and over. It's like the same, exactly the same article, just copied and pasted to like fifty different websites. And that's what you get in the evening cable news. You you change the channels. Yeah. You know, all the key uh, words, there's like these key words that pop up, and that's the narrative that we're supposed to listen to. Well, you know, it's the uh, couple times you end up with uh, uh, a news item that actually you know something about, right? Uh, when the police chief here was uh, nailed for sleep in his car or whatever after having too much booze, and he was <laughs> he allegedly was over here, well, not allegedly, he was over here at the series for a while. And I know you know the series pretty well. I mean, we've been down here forty years. Uh, so the 
all of a sudden you see an article like in one paper and, all, and then you see an article in another paper and another paper and you could just tell just like my Latin homework in high school that the, the second person didn't even go out and talk to anybody they just copied the yeah. first one and changed it around just just like a high school student would do it's like, you know yeah. no, nobody went out there was no new facts in any of them they just they just well, this kind of happened this kind of happened this last week my mother-in-law mentioned that um somebody was reporting that in florida they're teaching that slavery um was great because it provided people with some skills and it started with Kamala Harris reading some tweets, apparently according to the CNN reporter that was on Dana Bash's panel. She read some tweets, and she just started repeating it over and over and over throughout the week, and they got reported as news. And according to the CNN reporter who was on Dana Bash's panel, he said he looked into it. He looked into the actual bill. He looked into um, uh, analysis of the bill, and he concluded that the claim was completely false. And but that's how news is reported today. People, why, why, why would you want the facts to ruin a good story? You know? Yeah, you, you you hear something on Twitter and you just say it, right? Yeah. And you and, and and if you're a person of power, you can say whatever you want, and there's no consequences. Well, you don't right? you don't need a jury system to listen to evidence for three weeks when everybody gives yeah. one tweet and they already know whether somebody's guilty or innocent, right? Yeah. Well, when you're when you're in the minority, when you're not protected by the herd, like I'm I'm not protected by the herd. On college campuses, because my views are very—I'm uh, the, I'm the only one on the campus that has the, the views that I have. I got to be really careful. I can't just say, "Well, I heard this on Twitter and repeat it over and over and over." I get fired. So I got to be really careful. Uh, but when you're in the herd, you can say whatever you want, and there's no consequences. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's—it's it's a moral hazard, if you will. If you think about it, it's a moral hazard, right? Hey, speaking of being the moral hazard of the herd. What? Uh, speaking of uh, of the the herd of one, which you claim you are, could you? Explain a little bit, and, and it's not a buffalo. No, it's not a buffalo. It's a little squirrel. <laughs> God, God. I, I never. I, I, Maddie, did you ever see a herd of? It'd be squirrels? nice if it was a buffalo because uh, buffalo yeah. could knock people over. There's, there's no such thing as a herd of squirrels, is it? Is there? <laughs> if it's a herd of one, I a guess gaggle? you could call it that. Sure. A, ga- a well, gaggle. That, that's geese. A gaggle of geese. <laughs> uh, what's a pride of lions? What is it for fish? It's a school. Of, <laughs> school, yeah. Yeah. School of fish, yeah. Well, they, if if you're in a trading crowd and you, if the market was uh, three ace a half and you go three ace a half and the guy goes seven states bid and you immediately said sold, that was called carping the market. So <laughs> carping, was, nice. Yeah, so you're, you're like a you know, bottom feeder fish. So a bunch of carp would be a school <laughs> of carp. A school of carp. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, could you explain in a, in a you know a few minutes or less or more uh, what exactly is compared to uh, like a Milton Friedman who was a very libertarian sort of uh, economics it was his, he was a monetarist but his views were very uh, very competitive very you know, the, it, you know to a fault where the market will take care of everything which I don't necessarily buy but, <laughs> but uh, what exactly is the difference between that and the Keynesian group where the government should be involved in, you know, in, uh, in fine tuning and they use the term fine tuning isn't that the use, word they used in the 60s uh, yeah. How does how does the Austrian stuff differentiate? Because there's an awful lot of of uh, different schools really within the two. I mean, uh, Milton Friedman's monetarism was not the same as somebody else's, and his view of government inter- inter- interaction was different than other people's that happened to be monetarists. I mean, where does where does the Austrian school fit in here, or do they have a bunch of variants too? 
Well, there's a lot of there's a degree there's a degree of uh, disagreement, but for the most part, I think the reason why the Austrian school doesn't uh, take off more is because it's probably considered more extreme than Milton Friedman. Okay. Milton Friedman, I mean, he accepted pragmatically the role of the Fed. The Fed's not going to go anywhere. It's here to stay. So the least damage you can do is maybe just grow the money supply at some constant rate. Now, the Austrians will point out, well, what are you going to use for money supply? You're going to use M1, M2, M3, uh, MZM. What are you going to use for money, right? And um, so the Austrians actually probably have more of the distaste for Milton Friedman than they do probably Keynesians because they see Milton Friedman as the guy that put kids in charge of the candy store, right? I mean, some Fed chair, potential Fed chair can say, Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna really rein in inflation. I'm gonna, I'm not gonna watch unemployment go up and down. I'm gonna really rein in inflation and keep that under control. But once that person has those, the keys to the car, uh, no matter who that person is, they tend to like listening to the news. They like the power, and power tends to corrupt, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And they'll, they'll start listening to the press clippings, and they'll. Pull interest rates down, they'll print money, and we'll get inflation, right? And then usually what happens is they wait too late, right? So that's why the Austrians probably view Milton Friedman with more uh, negativity than you might think. The he, Austrians, on the other hand, but he was actually they, they, he, he was a, a yeah. serious guy of, of just a steady yeah. growth that matched yeah. that matched the, the uh, increase in productivity. He, he was never yeah. a of, of, uh, yeah, I think if he was, yeah. I think if he was Fed chairman, I think he would have probably uh, just grown the money supply at a constant rate. I think he would have. Yeah, I well, think that's, he that's, had that's, the all, that's all I've ever heard out of the yeah. guy. He, his his yeah. idea was you try to do the policy, all you do is screw it up. Yeah, and Arthur Burns, I think Arthur Burns was like we thought he was going to be that way, but he wasn't. He was the opposite. So um, I think Milton Friedman would have done that, and we've never had a monetarist, in my opinion, at the Fed. Um, they've all been lower interest rates, juice the economy. Oh, I went too far. Got to raise interest rates and pull back money growth, right? Well, I, I, think, uh, they, rhetoric, I think they, they rhetoric and action are off. Yep. I, I think they they fall into the into the trap, and I and I yeah. Well, this is misses a, you know, maybe it's not a gross generalization. It might just be it might just be accurate. I could be right once in a while. If if you look at the the Democrat side, allegedly they like to spend for some issues. Okay. The Republicans do too, but they don't. They don't. Yeah. Oh really, yeah, they do. But they don't really have the balls, which I shouldn't say, to raise taxes to actually match up with what they want to spend. All right. Yeah. Now they're under- they like the Republicans pushing back on raising yeah. taxes but, because it allows them to say we want to raise taxes. The Republicans push yeah. back, right? But the other so side, they like that. The other side, the Republicans want to lower taxes and do their their shtick for their people. And they, they get to scream. We want to pull. We want to stop spending, right? right but they don't. But, but they never they go actually. Along with it. Yeah, but they, they never actually lower the spending. Yeah. So yeah. There, there's this constant miss. I mean, uh, I actually have a really great article here that I should probably scan and send to you uh, by some guy in some institute, and he saying there's only th- there's only three ways to spend money from the government: either borrow it, you tax it, or you print it. And yeah. and I think the the Fed allegedly independent. Those eight, how independent can eight people be in Washington? I mean, it's yeah. I mean, you're you're, you're part of the group. I mean, I don't know that uh, in 1968, when the the uh, 
I think the Treasury made the decision to go off the gold standard. And by the way, we've got all this Vietnam debt, and we'd really like to pay it back uh, with money that's a little less. So how about you guys putting a little more money in the economy than maybe you normally yeah. would? So you'd be a really you'd be really hard pressed to to take you know to take that. I mean, I, I make a joke all the time about when Paul came in, he started to do that when Re- when Reagan was in there, and all of a sudden there was this dinner at the White House, and he comes out with this kind of somber look on his face. I watch him come out, and I go, "What do they do? Did they waterboard him, or did they paddle him? They did something." <laughs> and from that, from that, and from that day onward, he was just gushing money out of the place like a drunken sailor. Yeah. And so, yeah. so obviously there, there's the pressure. I mean, it's you, not independent. You're it's not. not independent I mean, you can't be. So I mean, there's there's yeah. no way that the, that uh, Trump, you know, and everybody thinks he was, you know, a fiscal conservative. He sure as hell wasn't. No, he was, oh, he wasn't. Yeah. He wasn't but, there's, but there's no way that, that Trump gets on national TV and says we're sending everybody a was an eighteen hundred hour check or sixteen hundred hour check for COVID because we're helping out all these businesses and we're gonna yeah. help out individual people too and we're sending this money oh by the way it's gonna cost us a trillion dollars. I don't see anybody in my lifetime, I mean Solomon, you know, maybe Dan Inui, somebody like that, coming on right after him and saying, Good luck, Mr. President, I'm not helping you out with a dime. You better you better find a way to tax or borrow a trillion dollars next week if you're sending those checks because I'm not helping you. Yeah. I, I don't see anybody yeah. doing that, do you? No, no, the opposite happens. So, yeah, Trump was not a fiscal conservative. I mean, right now, we've got this trillion-dollar infrastructure program that they're doing, or the one that passed. There's no way on earth that they're that they're taxed. As a matter of fact, Carl brought up, I don't know if you listened last Friday, I was pretty much horrified, to be honest with you. The, the government receipts, I mean, we're talking about, you know, we discuss it every other day, whether or not we're in a recession or not. Let me see if I can dig this up real quick. Um, the government receipts are down $400 billion from last year. I don't care yeah. who the hell you are. You, you could be the, the pundit from God knows where. That is a recession, right? Yeah. I mean, well, yeah, you... because there's, le- you know, fewer people are making money. When people aren't making as much money, they pay less tax. Yeah. And so to me, I, I was watching tax revenues in the early 2010 or two, early 2000s. I was watching tax revenues, trying to figure out where the business cycle was, and I thought it was a, a pretty good indicator of what, where the business cycle was. And I haven't looked at it in a while, but if you're saying it's down massively, and then you 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 throw on top of that, Spotify uh, missed its uh, earnings mark. Yeah, it's or earnings are down. Spotify get, gets her income from advertising. And advertising falls when we go into recession. So, well, last year, I, th- I think the great, I think the great inflate, I think the reinflation is underway. I think the Fed is going to start reinflating. Last year, for the whole year, the fiscal year, because every, I think everybody knows the fiscal year ends in September. For the whole year, the uh, federal uh, receipts were four point. I'm trying to read this, four point eight nine six trillion dollars. Now this year, with three months to go, they're three point four one two. So. The last three months of last year were, let's say, uh, five sixty nine, nine sixty nine, like a tr- uh, maybe a trillion dollars. Okay, so if you add another trillion dollars to this year to date, you get f- say four trillion five, and last year the receipts were four trillion nine. So we're going to be roughly ten percent less than last year. How the hell yeah. is that not a recession? To all the people, yeah, that, because yeah. people just have less income. I think, yeah. So to all the people that are. Walking wide by bars in Boston and saying, "Oh man, look at all these people coughing drinks." And there's no recession. Well, guess what? There is one. 
Maybe they're maybe they're in the bars because they're depressed and drinking. Well, it's, <laughs> yeah. well, I mean, it's you know, but I uh, I don't know. I think all this stuff. To be honest with you, I, I think a lot of the stuff we see, as bad as some areas are, I think they're solvable if we ever admit we have the problem. Yeah. I mean, how do you, yeah. how do you how do you admit you have a you know how do you how do you figure out that you got to get your broken leg set if you refuse to admit that it's broken? Yeah, thirty two trillion dollars in debt. Uh, I think we issued uh, half a trillion dollars in debt since the yeah. debt ceiling deal was done. Uh, interest on that debt is going to be a trillion dollars. Uh, inflation forever. I, I don't think they've solved the inflation number at all. I think the reason why inflation is coming down is because the economy is slowing. When the economy slows, uh, prices tend to, if they were rising, they're not going to rise as fast because demand is weaker. So I think any, any, anything that we see in terms of inflation rate coming down Prices are still going up, but they're not going up as fast as they were. Um, that decrease in inflation is a result of agri-demand slowing. And, you know, you look at the, the home Schiller, the, the Case-Shiller index. Right. It's starting to go back up. Uh, demand deposits are um, – you, you, we hear these news stories about $78 billion leaving the banking system. But then when you look at demand deposits, they're holding steady at about 3 to $3.3 since the beginning of the year and then you look at total reserves total reserves uh, uh, or all deposits seem to be rising so uh, after dropping and cresting demand deposits look like they're um, or dep- all deposits look like they're going to start rising again they're, they're on a new trajectory to go conti- uh, higher well, you're on a trend that was h- larger than the pre-pandemic trip pre-pandemic well, when the guys decide to give us the numbers you're seeing M2 sneaking down a hair, and you're seeing the Fed balance sheet sneaking down a hair. So, I, yeah, I, I think the the rate the rate of inflation is, you know, is not is it's not the problem. It's the price level. Yeah. It's the problem. Now the price level is locked in at a high level, yeah. and prices are still going up. But I think with all this debt we're taking on, and the interest payments being over a trillion dollars a year, yeah, oh yeah, that's probably and rising, there you're going to need. More money to uh, print that if you're not going to tax it. Well, that's yeah. Going forward, I don't see them maintaining. What you're saying is you don't see them maintaining the discipline. No, oh, they're not going to maintain the discipline. It's yeah. going to get even worse, that's, in my opinion. I, they got to pay I, for all I, that, that. They got to pay for all those interest payments. Well, you, you, all that debt. They showed their true colors when they put how much money back in for Silicon Valley. Yeah. Well, yeah. Anyway, anyway, Hal, thank you very much, buddy. Uh, there's a chance we're moving closer to actually coming to see you, probably in September. Okay. SP futures down uh, up a buck. Nasdaq futures up 45. We were up more, but still we're up. Uh, back tomorrow, stocks and jacks. What do we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. I guess we learned not to do it again. Stocks and jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727.
DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.